everyone. Welcome back to Saturday the 14th. A podcast. A, a murder horror story podcast. Sometimes it's about murder and sometimes it's about demons. Sometimes it's about cats. Often it's about cats. Yeah. Sometimes it's about the Property Brothers. Always about the Property Brothers as well. Yeah. There's not that much. I guess there's a little bit of property in this episode because there's the house. There is a house. And he tried. They kind of flip it. In the sense that they really redo things. <laughs> they do change the decor quite drastically in this house. <laughs> all right, so just look around, but like imagine all the windows will be boarded up and there will be a child in your basement who's trying to murder you. Maybe add like some burning uh, banisters. And there'll be a teenage couple outside in a car Don't on blow fire. <laughs> Um, So I am Maggie. And I am Maddie. And obviously this week we are talking about Night Night of of the the Living Living Dead, Dead, which is a 1968 zombie, well, technically ghoul classic. Yeah, they never actually say the word zombie, despite the fact they are very clearly zombies. Which is an interesting fact that we'll get into in detail a bit later on in this episode. Is this the oldest movie we've done so far? Um, hmm. Because The Omen was in the 70s. You're right. I think this might be the oldest movie that we've done so far, because we haven't done Rosemary's Baby yet, which was kind of the other 1960s movie. And we also haven't done any in black and white before this. That's true. So it's a couple firsts for Saturday the 14th here. It is. It's very exciting. Um, It's a great movie. Um, it's there's a lot of history in this that we're really excited about. So we're gonna get uh, we're gonna dig deep into some uh, zombie lore and legend, um, which I'm very excited about because um, I think one of the big things that kind of drew us together at first was our mutual love of zombies. I think Zombieland was one of the things that made us friends. Yeah, definitely. which is still holds up. Great movie. It is. We dressed as zombies like three years in a row for Halloween. Oh my god, we did. Do you remember freshman year when it was so warm? Yeah, and we just like walked around Boston dressed as zombies, and that drunk guy asked us if we were okay. Oh my god, yeah. Someone thought we were legitimately beat up and like dying because we had so much blood. Yeah, we really went ham on the fake blood there. Yeah, I had like a a bunch of bullet wounds in my stomach. Went to the fashion, the garment district. Yep. Ugh. Good times. I almost said RIP, even though the garment district is, I assume, still there. It's just RIP for us because it's 3,000 miles away and we can't go anymore. RIP to the college days. All right, y'all, let's get into the deets on this. Um, So like we said, this is uh, 1968, um, and it was written, directed, shot, and edited by George A. Romero. Uh, It was co-written by John Russo. Yeah, and it stars Dwayne Jones, Judith O'Dea, I think O'Day. Yeah. Carl Hardman, Marilyn Eastman, Keith Wayne, Judith Ridley, and Kyra Scron. I think it's it's actually Shron? supposed to be Shown. I put an R in there, but it should be Ky- Kira Shown, I believe. Kira Shown. Yeah. Great. Um, who is actually, uh, I believe, Marilyn Eastman's real-life daughter. Oh. Yeah. Very nice. Um, yeah, this, this is a very low-budget movie, so um, a lot of the people in it were not... Um, really well-known actors or some of them even actors before this. I also saw that a lot of the actors played multiple roles. So Yeah, a lot of them are also zombies. Or ghouls, um, I'm sorry. George Romero, I think, was one of the journalists yeah. on television. Yeah, that makes sense. Pretty fun stuff. Um, so like we said, it's low budget. Um, this was made in 1968 um, for $114,000. <laughs> Which, um, with inflation, comes out to $820,754.14. It's kind of amazing that that's considered low budget, considering you have movies like 
wasn't Paranormal Activity made for like $50,000 or something stupid like that? It, mm-hmm. Or maybe that was Blair Witch Project that I'm thinking no, of. No, you're right. Um, Paranormal Activity was super, super low budge. Um, but yeah, I think it was like 50000 something. I think like just that. found footage is a lot easier to shoot super yeah. low budget. Like this did actually have locations and, and you know, a decent size. Special cast. effects. There's special effects. There's a lot of extras. A lot of blood. Yeah, a lot of blood. A, a whole lot of blood. A lot of blood. It's a very gory movie. Which is great. Like, it's so much fun to see old school gore done well. Yeah. Before we go into what I was going to say next, um, in true uh, indie horror movie fashion, it made $30 million at the box office. So this is a bananas return on investment. Hell yeah. Did it bother you that none of the fight scenes had any sound effects. That's not true. There were some great sound effects when uh, Dwayne Jones like, pow, boom. And it was actually just sounded like someone was punching something in front of a microphone. Yeah. Maybe punching the microphone. But like the first fight scene were like, I think, no, I think it's when um, Johnny gets attacked by the, the zombie at the beginning. There's like no noise. There's like a little bit of like, like in the background, like occasionally like, and these guys are like just throwing themselves at each other. And there's like, (laughs) <laughs> which is like not a noise that's true I'm yeah. used to like every time somebody throws a punch it's like I did know? notice there was really not any fully work done on this yeah but again it was super low budget they had a lot of other stuff to deal with so you know I did find myself laughing at the scene when Dwayne Jones is punching I don't know the old white guy and just there are these really humorous punching noises yeah even those they're like they're there but like they're barely there. Yeah. No, that's true. And they, like, don't talk at all during the fight either. No. They, they just, like... I, like, looked down at my phone and I looked up and there was, Something like, a fight I actually scene. did like about this movie um, is that a lot of the scenes in it are action-oriented because, like, you wouldn't necessarily be having a conversation. You'd be doing shit. True. And so all the dialogue comes from the radio or the television, and that's how you learn what's going on, and I think they do that really well. They do. They do. Um, It's a very interestingly done movie, very interestingly framed movie. Um, So let's... Do you want to get into the summary? Yeah, sure. So it starts off with Barbara and Johnny Blair, and they're driving out to rural Pennsylvania um, because they're going to go visit their father's grave to put down a wreath on it. Johnny is a real dick. He is. He is obnoxious in every stupid scene in this movie that he, he is, is the in. the worst. The like, only cool thing he does is at the very end he shows up he looks real cool. But yeah. I'll, I'll get to that. But in this scene they're just like driving out there and he's like I can't believe I have to drive three hours outside of Philadelphia to do this stuff. Like mom doesn't even come out here but we have to drive. Like we should move mom out here if she wants to keep doing this and his sister's like she she wouldn't survive that trip and he's like well whatever and he's just such a dick. I felt so bad for Barbara in this scene because just like everything that she says is just like well can, can you just like be like like a person for like two seconds. Can you I know, just like he was put so it annoying. on dad's grave? You know she had to deal with that shit for three hours getting out there. And so they go to the grave and they put the thing on it and there's this guy kind of like lumbering around the graveyard. Yeah, he seems real weird. And her brother, in true dickish fashion, is like, oh man, are you scared of him? Are you scared he's gonna attack you? And, like, being a dick. And so she goes to actually apologize to the guy. And then he does attack her. Yeah, so Johnny was kind of right. Yeah, it's amazing the action started, like, five minutes into this movie. Yeah, it happens really quick. I was afraid it was gonna be, like, a real slow burn. Nope, they get right to it. It was great. It's not a super long movie. It's an hour and a half. 
That's a well-paced hour and a half. Yeah, it's yeah, 93 never minutes, according to Shutter.com, which wow, is where I, I watched this. it was a this. lot slower. It's also on Amazon. Oh, well, it's that's because uh, it's a public domain. We'll True. get to that later. It's everywhere. <laughs> um, so Johnny uh, actually gets his shit together and tries to go save Barbara, um, but the guy tackles him and throws him against a gravestone. He hits his head and he dies. Yeah, and Barbara runs away and she ends up Going to a farmhouse. Yeah, she tries to drive the car at first, and then she immediately crashes it into a tree. Yep. So, good job, Barbara. (laughs) Women can't drive. Apparently, there had been some body damage done to the car between shots, and they were like, shit, where did this come from? So they just had her crash it into the tree. Maggie, did we say this movie came out in 1968? Did it? Is it 1963? No, I was just going to say that it's the 50th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 it is. I didn't realize that yeah. until literally right now because for some reason it takes me 15 minutes to do simple math. Listen, math is real hard. <laughs> it is. There's a reason why we went to Emerson. Man. Also, after all of my struggles last week trying to remember whether The Ring came out in 2004 or 2006, you can say whatever you want in this episode. <laughs> it is the 200th anniversary. <laughs> it's the bicentennial. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is the 50th anniversary, which I'm sorry I didn't realize that earlier. But Yay! Hey. Anyway, um, let's say 50 years of women being unable to drive. Yeah. That's how I came up with that. Nice. So she gets to the farmhouse, and she goes inside. She's freaking out. Um, she looks up the stairs. She's, like, trying to see if there's anybody in the house. Um, and there's this real fucking gross corpse. Dude, they did a great job on this corpse. Because yeah. you don't see much. You, you see, just like, see, like, a close-up part of the face and, like, one of the and, eyeballs. Like, yeah, the eyeball is, like, exposed. And there's, ugh. It's gross, but it's so good. It's clear it's been gnawed on a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's some chewing action. Arr, 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 arr. Um, and so she's in there, and... Uh, she she goes outside and there's like other fucked up people out there as well. Yep, everyone's fucked up. They're all kind of crowding towards the farmhouse, and so she's freaking out. Um, and this guy Ben shows up, who Dwayne Jones. I kind of loved this entire movie. I think Ben was the best. He's pretty great, honestly. He keeps his head on his shoulders for the most part. Like he loses his temper a couple times, but like understandable. He kind of deserved. The moments in which he loses his temper. Yeah, everybody else is being real stupid a lot. Really? A lot of stupid people. Um, so Ben shows up and he's like, hey, I know what's going on. We're going to keep you safe. We're going to, like, barricade the house. He tries to get her to help, but she's, like, super, like, shell-shocked. She can't deal with it. Yeah, she is literally in shock. She can barely speak the entire time. 90% of the movie, she is just sitting on the couch and then occasionally we'll say, like, a sentence that doesn't make sense and then yeah. go back to just sitting silently on the couch. Yeah. She, like, tells him a little bit about her story. And he tells her about his story. He'd been, like, at a diner that got, like, attacked and he, like, found a car and was able to, like, get away. Um, and, like, I think, like, a couple of his friends died or something like that. I might be wrong about that. I don't know. I don't really remember 100% of his story. Uh, and then she just, like, very slowly tells him the exact same thing that we just saw happen, which is a weird choice. This but is the she, only like, part screams where like, the entire time. Yeah. And he's like, stop it. We will get murdered. And then she just keeps going. Yeah. Another example of just people being real dumb while Ben tries to save everyone. Seriously. Um, they do end up finding out that there's a cellar because um, people come up out of it. Yeah. Like... <laughs> A good amount of, probably like 20 minutes into this movie or so. Like, they think, okay, cool, it's just the two of them. Maybe some other people will show up at some point. But yeah, these people just come up out of the cellar. So So it's it's Tom, right? And Harry. Tom and Harry. So Tom's the young, cool guy. Yeah. Who... Like a Josh Hutcherson type. Yeah, actually. That's a really good That's what I decided I would cast him as if we Mm. remade this movie, yeah. 
Good to know. And then there's Harry, who is the old white guy I mentioned before, who just kind of sucks. He does. He's a dick. He's the worst part Harry's of this movie. Harry's awful. I mean, it's good to have a villain. I just would think that the zombies would be the villains. Yeah, and but be... you sometimes you need an interior villain. That's true. So uh, Harry explains that they're down in the basement because they think it's the most secure place. And um, also, his wife is down there with their daughter, who's been injured. She was attacked by a zombie. A ghoul. I'm sorry. They call them ghouls. Yep. And uh, Tom's girlfriend, Judy, is down there as well. And so Harry and Ben have, like, this huge blowout, right? Because Harry wants to stay down there, and he wants everybody to just go down to the basement where it's safe. And Ben's like, well, if they get in, then they're just going to eat us because there's no way out. There's nothing we can do. We won't be able to get out, period. At least, like, if they break in while we're upstairs, there are other doors and windows and shit that we can get out of. Yeah, and, like, there's exactly one entrance and exit from the cellar and it is a single door. He also does point out that like if someone comes to save them, no one's going to be able to hear them if they're in the That's basement. true, yeah. So Ben's got his head on the shoulders, but they, they get, they have a huge fight about this. There's like screaming, they get into that fist fight where like no one's making enough noise and it's really weird. Yep. Um, ultimately, Harry decides he's going to go back downstairs um, where we meet his wife, Helen, who is incredible. Yeah, Helen's great. Because he goes downstairs and he's like, there's people up there, but we're just going to stay down here where it's safe. And she's and she, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> she's like, yeah, we heard them screaming. I know there are people up there. And meanwhile, Tom and his girlfriend, Judy. Yeah, they go upstairs. They go upstairs to join Ben and Barbara and fortify the house against um, the ghouls. Yeah. And Judith, Judy is kind of like trying to help Barbara a little bit and mm-hmm. like talk to her. And Barbara's like super out of it. Um. But they have a radio upstairs, and they also have, um, well, right now they just have the radio, right? They don't but have it's, TV Yeah, TV. and it's kind of nice because, like I said, um, Ben goes into action. He's nailing all the windows and doors shut and, like, lumber over them. And the radio, meanwhile, this is going on, is telling us exactly what's going on. So the fact that it's been happening on the eastern third of the country and they don't really know there have been these mass murders and they don't know what the reason is behind it, but it's just kind of happening. Yeah. And so you kind of, like, get little bits of information as time goes on through it. It's like the, you know, I mean, now it's kind of a cliche, but I think this is one of the first movies to really do that. Yeah. Good exposition. Yeah. Also, Helen realizes that they have a radio upstairs and she's like, you're a stupid man and goes upstairs on her own, which That's I That's true. And so Judy goes down to take care of the, yeah. the kid. Um. So they, we get a couple different theories on why this is happening as time goes on. One of them is like there's a satellite circling Venus that yeah. was destroyed by NASA purposely on its way back because it had so much radiation. The radiation is causing all this shit to happen. I feel like that's something that people overlook when they think about this movie. That's like that secretly an alien movie. The most likely story for where this stuff comes from is space radiation. Yep. Which is amazing. <laughs> Honestly, incredible. Did you know this movie was originally supposed to be an alien comedy? Yeah. It would have cost too much money. It would have cost a lot. This was, thank God this happened. Yeah. Everything would have been so different. I wonder if he would have redefined aliens. It's possible. It is. Or it just would have been another shitty 1960s alien movie. Yeah. Um, so Ben decides that they need to get uh, Karen, the daughter, um, to one of the rescue centers that they have set up that they find out about through the radio so that she can get uh, care, but they need to figure out how to get past all of the monsters. I do think the plan he comes up with is brilliant. Yeah, because they, there's, so there's a gas pump outside and he has the truck that he stole from the diner and they just need to get into the gas pump, but the gas pump is locked. But they find the key to the gas pump. They find keys in the basement, yeah. 
So he's like, okay, we're going to Molotov cocktail shit out of them. Hell yeah. We're going to run outside because they're afraid of fire, which he found out. By following a burning gasoline truck. Yes, which is I like just his story that he happened. talks about. It, you don't actually see it, even though it would be amazing. But like Ben has been through crazy also, shit. Also, um, when he finds the dead woman upstairs, he drags her body outside and sets it on fire, and they're freaked out by that yes. too. Mm-hmm. And at he's some a point, very intense man. At some point, they were trying to like get some people away from the front door, and this they set like a table on fire and throw the table outside right. or some shit. Yeah, they do a, lot, a fair amount of fire stuff. So his idea is Molotov cocktails, chase him away, get out there, get in the truck, fuel it up. Get everyone, get everyone into the truck. Yeah. Then drive to the safe area they've been told about. I think at this point it's been revealed that everyone has been coming back from the dead. Yeah. So anyone who dies quickly, like within the next five minutes, will come back from the dead. This leads to one of the best parts where they're talking to one of the like the sheriff who's like out trying to like kill off all the undead, and they're talking about how like oh you have to like burn the bodies of your dead or else they'll come back. Um, and they're like yeah, so like you know they just talk to this guy and all of their like. On, man on the street stuff is very naturalistic it sounding, is, yeah. which is amazing. And the sheriff's just like, yeah, you know, I mean, like, I don't know, they don't move too fast, because, you know, I don't know, they're dead. They're kind of messed up. Oh, they're all messed up. Like, their ankles are not good. And I'm like, oh my god, you're, like, he's incredible. That's the funniest it line I've ever so heard. good. Because it's just like this little Philadelphia man being like, I don't know. They're all messed I up. I think the question was like, so are they fast? He's like, no, they're dead. They're yeah. all messed up. <laughs> he just says it in like this very like, duh, tone. Yeah, I really I like that. the conversation in one of the news stories about like, so, I mean, they come back in minutes. That's not very much time to like get everything arranged. And they're like, no, you're not going to have time for a funeral because they're going to come back yeah. and try and kill you. Like you have to light them on fire. Immediately. And, like, right away. If you away. don't cremate them within minutes, like, sorry. They'll kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they also, like, share that, like, they are eating the bodies of the people that they kill and all that stuff, so they're like, shit, we have to, you know, really stay in here and yeah. and lock it up tight. So, with that information, that just kind of, like, makes Harry a little bit more freaked out. So, he goes along with the plan eventually, and he does start, like, throwing he's the Molotov one who, cocktails. Yeah, he throws the Molotov cocktails from the window yeah. of the second floor while, um... Ben and Tom go out to the truck. And Tom mm-hmm. has this really sweet goodbye with his girlfriend. He's like, I'm going to go do this. She's like, but I don't want to. You too. And she, like, smiles. She's like, that. And he's like, you always have a smile for me. Yeah. Um, it's really cute. But then she's real dumb. And she decides she needs to go with them to the gas pump. And she, like, runs out while they're fighting off these zombies. And Ben's just like, what are you doing out here? Like, either get in the car or get inside. And so she gets into the car. And the three of them all drive to the gas pump. Where, surprise, surprise, the keys the don't key work. doesn't work. Even though it was labeled for the gas tank, it doesn't work. And so Ben is like, fuck this shit. And he runs back inside. Right? Nah, Ben actually shoots the lock. On the oh, um, shit, you're right. gas pump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Tom grabs the gas pump, but it's just like shooting gas everywhere and accidentally like gets it all over the truck. I don't know right. if he ever actually gets any in the truck or not, but then because Ben is holding a torch to fight off the zombies. Right, I forgot about that. I forgot why the car exploded. Yeah, he, um, spoiler alert, <laughs> he sets the line of the gasoline on fire. So there's this and like, that's line on when the he's ground. like, fuck, and he just runs. And they're like, well, first, we can get out. Um, and they can't. Tom's like, we got to get this car away from the gas pump because he's Smart. where the gas pump is going to blow up. Right. So Tom drives it away with the girlfriend. 
and then he gets out of the car and starts leaving but her jacket gets caught on something so he runs back in to save her and then boom goes the truck and <sighs> Ben says oh fuck and has to run back into the house. He doesn't say oh fuck because it's nineteen. You're right. He doesn't say that. His eyes say it. I can, yeah. I can read and his eyes spend a lot of time saying either oh fuck or fuck this or fuck you or fuck you. Talks a lot with his Very eyes. expressive eyes. Yeah. Um, so he runs back inside and they're like Whoops. And of course, Harry's like, that was a stupid idea anyway. Well, first, though, he's running back inside and Harry is like watching it. And he's supposed to let Ben back in. And then he doesn't. He like locks the door back up and doesn't let Ben back into the house. Harry's such a little bitch. Yeah. And so Ben has to kick in the door. Which then that that compromises the structure of the door, which is an important part of keeping the fucking zombies out of your house. Kick in the door, he like starts kneeling stuff back up. Harry's like standing in the doorway of the cellar just staring like, I don't know if I should help or not. And eventually he does help kneel back up the door and everything. And then that's when like Ben and Harry get into their real fist fight with all the noises. Slightly louder. Yep. And he punches him, like, five times. He's like, I, you deserve to be thrown out to them. Yeah. And then there's a TV. They watch more TV. Um, at some point, they're all sitting around, and they're like, God, is it 3 a.m. yet? Because they're waiting for the next news cycle to come on. And right around then, they figure out that there are people going around trying to save people. That's when they also talk about if you destroy the brain, you destroy them. Right. So they basically figure out all they have to do is last through the night and then they, they will be okay. also say that watch out if anyone's been injured by these because the results can be unpredictable. Yeah. So that's when we find out that the little girl was actually like bitten by a zombie slash ghoul. Yeah. Before then, it's just she's been injured and we don't know how. Yeah. Um, and then the lights go out. Yep, all the power goes out, the power lines are down, and the zombies come. Yep, and they start getting through the barricades, and they're getting into the house. And this is when uh, Harry gets Ben's rifle and, like, tries yeah. to shoot him, because um, he's an asshole. Because Ben was, like, trying to hold up stuff and use the gun to hold it, and Harry's just been, like, staring at this gun the entire time. And at some point he says to Helen, like, I need this gun, and Helen's like, stop being a fucking idiot. Um... Oh, God damn it. Helen straight up tells him she doesn't like living with him. She does. She's like, like, just because we don't like we don't like living together. We don't have to die together. (laughs) Helen's amazing. Um, So, yeah. So Harry grabs the the rifle away from Ben and he tries to shoot him um, and they start fighting and he uh, Ben gets the gun from Harry and he ends up shooting him. And like he really didn't need to shoot him. I feel like it was kind of a dumb move. Like I understand the anger and like what this guy just like tried to take over and like has been trying to like basically wanted to let you die earlier and now is once again trying to like let you die. Honestly, Ben has been through so much shit at this point. Like I might have shot that guy too, yeah, you know. But if you shoot him, you know within the next 5 minutes he's coming back as a zombie. That is yeah, that is a good point. I guess we, these are not normal circumstances. Yeah. That was the thing. Yeah, because like, they don't need to be bitten by the zombies, really, at this point. They're just... Shoot them in the foot. Don't shoot them in the stomach. Yeah, just make it hurt. So, um, but yeah, people are coming through. Helen's being grabbed by people, by, like, zombies coming through the window. And actually, Barbara kind of comes out of her trance and saves Helen. Yeah, but then she gets yanked out through the window. But first, like, they get to the door. Guess who shows up? Johnny is a zombie. It's really upsetting. Honestly, it's really sad, because Barbara, like, this whole time she's been like, we have to go find my brother we have to like one of the yeah. first like things that she kept saying over again was like we have to go find johnny we have to go find johnny we have to go find johnny and he's like ben was like he's dead like yeah he didn't even actually say that to her he just like kind of 
Yeah. Pretended to not alone. Somebody says that, because at one point she's like, my brother's out there, and he's like, your brother's dead. Oh, maybe he like, does. Because it's been, like, enough time that her, her brother's dead. Yeah. Um... So yeah, so she she sees him and she kind of just lets go. But he looks really cool. Like he's got like the driving glove on still, and he was such like an asshole, nerdy looking guy in the beginning. He does, and now he does have like a cool factor to him. He does. That's true. The undead are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Especially that one like naked zombie running around. Yeah, she's just chilling. She's just walking with her whole butt out through the whole. (laughs) That's who I aspire to be. Um, Oh, by the way, Karen has died at this point in time. The daughter. Girl. Yeah. yeah, but we don't officially know that I We think. don't know for sure, yeah. But, but it's like, she's she's been going the whole time. She's been, like, she's, dying. Yeah. And so Harry, like, stumbles down the stairs and finds his daughter's, like, r- gone full zom. Yeah, she is straight up a zombie. Um, so Harry is dead. Helen manages to get free of the zombies outside and gets back inside to the basement. Surprise, surprise, her daughter's eating her shitty husband's body. Good. Which is like, eh, it's deserved. Probably the best thing he did for her daughter. Yeah. His daughter was give her a full <laughs> a snack. Stom- yeah. A full stomach. Uh, Helen freaks out, and Karen stabs her to death with a trowel, which I thought was really weird. Yeah, I mean, actually, the zombies use tools this entire movie. Like, they use a brick to break glass. Yeah. They use, like, they start picking up pieces of the banister to, like, break through the door and all that stuff. I kind of got that more than the trowel part, though, because I feel like there's a difference between trying to, like, hit something and bash it. Like, that's a, like, monkeys do that. You know, like, monkeys can use rocks to smash things. You think a monkey things. would, like, stab someone with a trowel if they could? Maybe. I don't know. It just seems very... I don't know. It seemed so advanced for what it we're used did. to for a zombie. I just, I think that they hadn't quite figured out what the lore of this right. was yet. And so yeah. all they were is they were violent and they wanted to eat people. And, yeah. and this whole movie is like zombie lore is a little inconsistent. Because it was the very beginning, you know, I'm talking exactly. about Exactly. And so definitely using weapons to kill people was not expected. Yeah. But interesting. Um, so Helen dies. Ben runs down to the basement and he seals himself up down there. Um... Because Barbara's dead. Yeah. Barbara's dead. Uh, He fights off Karen. Harry and Helen, of course, try to come back from the dead, and he has to kill them. Um, But he has the gun, so he just shoots him in the head. It's real easy for him. It's not that hard. Um, The next morning, he wakes up. He's made it through the night. He hears the posse outside. They're coming to save him. Yeah, we see all these shots of the police, and they're like, okay, we need some people to go to that house over there. Like, we just need, like, three or four of them to take out, like, the ghouls that are over there. And they're, like, dogs, and the dogs are leading them really, like, forcefully to that area. Yeah, and Ben runs up the stairs, and he's got his gun in his hand so you can tell he's not a zombie. And he runs out to the window. And he gets shot between the eyes. Oh my god, I was oh so mad. Because they thought that he was a ghoul. Because they just fucking shoot him. And, and he's made it through that whole night. Then there's like a montage of photos of them with like giant hooks getting ready to take his body out to like the funeral pyre they have for all the bodies just they've killed. Just setting him on fire. Yep. I read one of the things that um, one of the sources that I read about this pointed out was that the zombie that you see next to him is the first zombie from the graveyard at the beginning. So you mm. literally see the first zombie that you interact with and the very last human who makes Did it through. I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah. I was so... I know I've seen this movie before, but I feel like it's one of those movies where we watched, like, 12,000 zombie movies during college and I, like, fell asleep during them or don't remember them for other reasons. Um, and I didn't remember that ending and I was so excited up until the fucking shot and they just shoot him through the face. I had a feeling it was going to happen. Oh, man. Or, like, they were just going to... 
go through the house and be like, nope, it's empty. Like, we're good. Or see that there were just some ghouls and be like, no, it's just a man in Jack with some ghouls. Like, let's move on. Just, like, leave him and abandon him. Yeah. I just have a feeling something like that was going to happen, and I don't know why. I was like, I would have been okay if they hadn't gotten him out, because then, like, he would have figured out a way. Like, it's Ben. He's going to find a way. He's pretty crafty. Yeah. That was very upsetting to me. But I did um, read that Dwayne Jones actually fought for that ending. Like, yeah, they thought that. about doing a happier ending, and he was like, no, I think this one's going to be better. So Dwayne Jones had actually a fair amount of um, creative input on his character. Because, yeah, he rewrote all the dialogue. Yeah, because, okay, so it is relevant that Dwayne Jones is black. Yes. Um, and it's very unusual to see, first off, a couple things. Uh, the black guy dies first trope does not apply to this movie because yeah. he is the last main cast member standing. He was the last girl. He was. He was the final girl. Final girl. <laughs> um, and also, this is 1968. Like, it's not common for a movie to have... I mean, you know, there were movies with black stars, but, like, but not, the main hero... And he's also the only black person in the movie. Right. Um, which is pretty cool, but they originally, I guess, had him... The, the character like an was like angry truck driver. Yeah, he was not very well educated, but Dwayne Jones was a very well educated man. He was a Broadway actor. I think he'd been a professor at one yeah, point he in had time. Been. And he was like, I'm not saying any of this shit, so we're going to rewrite it so that I sound smart, which I really was appreciate great because I mean, it makes him a much more likable character. Yeah, I thought he was the most likable character. Yeah. I liked Barbara a lot, but I think it was mostly because of her big blonde 1960s hair and the huge fake eyelashes she was wearing through the entire she movie. She was. They did not fall off. I want to know what glue she was wearing. Um, um, she probably went through multiple sets. True. They probably did fall off, just not on camera. <laughs> um, also, apparently, Judith, Judy. Yeah. Um, she was not, I don't think she was supposed to have any speaking role at all. <laughs> I think she was supposed to die really early on or something like that. Um, but she's, like, really hot. She is really hot, yeah. Like, she's, like, modern-day hot still. Like, she if is. you put her in normal... Even, like, she kind of has, like, the grown-out roots and, like, um, like dyed blonde hair I think look. she needs, like, a solid blowout for her hair. I kind of feel like you could put her in, like a, like, a coffee shop in Silver Lake and she would fit right in. Yeah, actually, she probably would. Yeah. I meant, like, if she was going to be the star of oh, modern-day yeah. horror movies, yeah. she'd need, like, a nice blowout because her hair sure. is a little frizzy. Yeah. She had, like, 1960s-ish hair still. Yeah. So... But apparently she was so hot and everyone liked her so much as an actress that they were like, let's just put her in. Which is why she doesn't really do anything. She just kind of stands around and then she goes to make a decision but can't fully commit to said decision and ends up fucking up because of it. Like, even the Tom character, her boyfriend, says, like, remember when we had that flood and you didn't want to leave and we had to go to the rescue area (laughs) and, like, we almost died? Yeah, maybe let's not do that again this time. Yeah. Oh, Judy. She deserved better. She <laughs> was great. She I liked her. I thought she was fun. Um, I also loved Helen. I think Helen was my maybe my favorite character. Helen was pretty... Helen and Ben. Fun fact. Carl Hardman and Marilyn Eastman, who played the Coopers. Yep. Neither of them were actors. Mm. What they were... Um, so, for context, Romero and Russo, along with their, their friend Russell Strainer had um, this this company, Latent Image, which is the company that made this movie, but they were a TV commercial and industrial film production company, so they weren't like a like a movie company, really. They made, like, yeah. how-to films for workshops and shit like that. Um, and so in order to get funding, they collaborated with Hardman Associates Incorporated, which is another industrial film company um, in the Philadelphia area, the president and vice president of whom were Carl Hardman and Marilyn Eastman. Who play the Coopers. Who play the Coopers. Which is 
mind-blowing to me because yeah, actually, Marilyn Eastman good. is like the most classically beautiful like she is old school film star type I've ever seen in my life and she was a great actress and I mean I think that the guy who played Harry Carl Hardman like he was a very unlikable character. He did I a good job. I hated him, but he did a great job playing this very unlikable character. That is true, yeah. he. I mean, I bought it. I didn't like Carl Hardman by the end of this movie. Yeah, and so. I believed that he was a guy who just didn't know how to make the right decisions and was, like, very um, egotistical and, like, thought that he knew better than anyone else. Right. Despite the fact that he was actually pretty dumb and right. then was called out on it by his wife. Yeah. And I thought they both did a really good job. I didn't realize that neither of them were actors. No, I was very impressed, honestly. Yeah. All right. So, as we've talked about, um, Night of the Living Dead pretty much transformed the zombie genre and it introduced what we now think of as a zombie. Yeah, it wasn't the first zombie movie. No. But zombies it, have a long history. It was like the code. Coder. There's a um Oh god, I can't think of it right now. There's a phrase for like there's a movie that is the first one and there's the movie that we think we talked about it in our Friday the 13th episode. Yeah. Where um, but this term. is the one that kind of set this trope in stone. The interesting thing about this um is that the way, the fact that this is what we consider zombie today is actually somewhat weird because they were not intended as zombies. So we're going to backtrack a little bit and we're going to fill you in on the history of the zombie. Zombies, you may know this, um, they originated in Haitian folklore uh, around the 19th century, um, which is one of the texts that I read about this pointed out. is kind of unusual for folklore to start so late. Yeah. Um, but it was because it was... Um, folklore that began in a colonized country um, and was sort of like a... At that point in time, zombies were considered to be created through voodoo magic um, and they were corpses that were brought back to life via voodoo magic and they were usually used for slave labor. Okay. So is there there is sort of that like cultural element in forming it where like this is a an island that had suffered under oppression, colonization, uh, the slave trade... And so their folklore ended up kind of reflecting that and that, you know, you'll be, you know, forced to work under the sun even after you no longer really inhabit your body. Um, so this is kind of uh, one of the books that I read about this, um, Better Off Dead, The Evolution of the Zombie as a Post-Human, refers to this as the zombie drone, which is it's just a shell of the person that it once was. It doesn't really want anything. It's just there uh, to work, to shamble around, to do whatever its voodoo master tells it to do, right? Um, it's not really a scary zombie. The zombie itself is not scary. Um, what you see in these books and movies and stuff like that that discuss this kind of zombie is that it's scary that you might be turned into a zombie. It's not really scary that a zombie might get you because a zombie's not going to get, like, it's not going to do anything to you once it gets you. It's kind of like a golem in a way, but it's a golem, like, because golems are made out of clay. Right. But, but these are made, made out of people. human bodies yeah. instead. But so, golems are just, like, creatures that were made to serve you. Exactly. Um, so that has, like, all of the intensity of, like, you know, you have the power over another form. But also, you know, if you run into the person who can make the zombie, you're fucked. Because they're just going to turn you into a zombie. But not until you're dead, right? Or can they do it well, when you're still alive? Or I do think they kill they can, you and then do it? Yeah, I think they kill you and then they bring you back. Gotcha. Um... And so, uh, this version of zombies was introduced to the United States, um, around in the twenties. Um, there's a book called the magic Island by W.B. Seabrook. 
Um, and obviously this is not the first time that like people were afraid of corpses coming back to life. You know, we got Frankenstein, which we talked about. Um, basically every culture had like some sort of version of that. And vampires have been around for hundreds of years. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I did find interesting that another, I, I don't remember which source it was specifically, um, pointed out was that, um, it's unusual. Zombies are kind of unusual in that they jump pretty quickly from folklore to movies. Because the time period in which they were made, there's not a lot of literature about zombies. There are a couple books, like That's um, interesting. like the Magic Islander or other things like that. But for the most part, it went from like Haitian folklore, Hollywood movies. movies, yeah. So like when you talk about you know vampires, Dracula, you know, was a book, and there's books before that, and there's the whole weird history of Vlad the Impaler, which like people talked like there was a lot of written stuff before yeah. we got around to making movies. Um, but this is kind of a newer version of folklore, so it, it sort of uh, popped up later on and just sort of directly went into movies, which is... Uh, it's very interesting. Right? It's sort of like cinema folklore, which yeah. I think is cool. It is. Um, so three years after The Magic Island was released, um, the first zombie movie in American history, The White Zombie, starring Bela Lugosi. Isn't that a drink? Uh, it should be if it's not. It sounds delicious. I don't I think know there's one called it. The White Zombie. Would it have, like, a cream in it? Probably. That's probably what makes it white. Oh, man. I can't do cream-based drinks. Oh, that's sad. Anyway, a white zombie sounds delicious, um, but the movie itself—I I watched part of it. You can actually find it on—you um, uh, can find it on YouTube. It's only about an hour. A long. white zombie is a cocktail that looks like a harmless milkshake, but it is not. Ooh, what's in it? Light rum, coconut milk, fresh lime juice. I think it's kind of like a pina colada a little oh, that bit. Sounds delicious, man. I think we I've had this before. A themed drink for every episode. That sounds great. I'm gonna do that for the next episode. So yeah, so so again, White Zombie, I watched about 20 minutes of it. Basically, the idea of it is that uh, Bela Lugosi is turning this young woman into a zombie because this guy that he knows is in love with her and he's going to, like, you know... Marry her zombie body. Yeah, basically. going to trick her into staying with him forever. Cool. Um, so obviously, again, that's a very different version of the zombie that we're seeing, and that's kind of what zombies were up until Night of the Living Dead. So interestingly... I actually read about this as well... So, George Romero stole the entire fucking plot from this movie from the book, I Am Legend. Yes, by Richard Matheson. Which we know more recently as the movie starring Will Smith. Yes. Killing a bunch of vampires. Yes. But the whole idea of, like, showing up to the farmhouse and using fire to kill them and everything like that, all completely stolen from that book. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but again, it's, it's noticeable that, like, those are not called zombies in that book. No, they're, they're vampires. They're called vampires. Um, they don't have that much in common with what we think of as zombies, like, what people thought of as zombies up until this point. I haven't read the book. I've only seen the Will Smith movie. Yeah. But there isn't really overlap. It, it, they are vampires. I mean, the whole idea of spreading the disease yeah. is something that exists in zombies, and it being a disease more so than, like, you are a demon. Because a lot of times vampires are seen as demons, even they yeah. actively choose to pass the evilness by turning another person into a vampire. Right. And in I Am Legend, it's not so much a uh, evil choice. It's a disease. True. Um, so, yeah. So, there is the infection aspect of it, which is one of the few parts. They are, like, allergic to garlic and shit like that. They're somewhat stereotypical vampires in that sense. Um, but one thing that's really important is that the main character, Robert Neville, is the last man standing amid a, quote-unquote, vampire apocalypse. 
Although, to be honest, the overall theme of the story is that Neville himself is the actual threat and that the vampires are a new form of humanity that he is refusing to concede to in order to allow evolution to take its overall. Which is so interesting. I think... Yeah. I think the movie did a good job of bringing up that moral dilemma. Like, yeah, they killing changed children. the ending really hard, though. Yeah. They, like, still made him the good guy. The yeah. original ending, he's not the good guy. I they changed it for Again, the Again, I haven't release. read the book, but... Yeah. I love me some Will Smith. Well, basically, I guess the idea is that, like... I haven't read the book either, but... Um, the idea is that, like, there are the sick vampires who, like, just want to kill people, and then there's also, like, healthy vampires who are just, like, trying to, like, form their new society, and so they, like, have, like, partners and that's children so and all that stuff. Yeah. Um... So that's something that, that Romero kind of borrows, and, and as such, uh, Night of the Living Dead is the first ever zombie apocalypse movie ah. of so many to come. Um, and Romero actually has a quote about I Am Legend, which is, I thought I Am Legend was about revolution. I said, if you're going to do something about revolution, you should start at the beginning. I mean, Richard starts his book with one man left. Everybody in the world has become a vampire. I said, we got to start at the beginning and tweak it up a little bit. Couldn't use vampires because he did. So I wanted to go with something that would be an earth-shaking change. Something that was forever. Something that was really at the heart of it. I said, so what if the dead stop staying dead? And the stories are about how people respond or fail to respond to this. That's really all the zombies ever represented to me. In Richard's book, the original I Am Legend, that's what I thought that book was about. There's this global change, and there's this one guy holding out saying, wait a minute, I'm still a human. He's wrong. Go ahead. Join them. You'll live forever. In a certain sense, he's wrong. But on the other hand, you've got to respect him for taking that position. Yeah. Yeah, which I liked. I thought that was a funny... It is a good quote. He's like, well, you know, maybe you should just be a vampire. I don't know. Like, I mean, if everyone else is a vampire and they're all going to live forever, like, All the other kids are do doing it. You know, of all the other kids being vampires. <laughs> I was actually always the person who wanted to become a vampire. Yeah. I read so many vampire books when I was a teenager. I absolutely believe that. I wanted to become one of the X-Men so that I could be Storm and I wouldn't have to go to summer camp. That's pretty great. <laughs> to you don't have to go to summer camp if you're a vampire either. That is true. I remember borrowing this book from the middle school library, and it was a bunch of short stories about vampires. And one of them, and this sticks out to me, the main girl's name was Appleine, and she went by Apples. Because she was named by oh, after Apollo, and then... I think that the older sister or the younger sister was named after, like, the woman who Apollo falls in love with. And they're like, Weird. this is real fucked up. <laughs> and one of them ends up, like, meeting this 16-year-old vampire. And he wants to turn her into a vampire. They always do. And she said, like, I don't want to stay in this 16-year-old awkward body for the rest of my life. And so she says no. Smart. And she leaves. And then she's, like, 22 or something like that. And she sees him again at, like, the mall. And... She's like, oh, man, I'm, like, really in the prime of my life. I'm kind of ready. Like, if I'm going to be in an age forever, this is the age I want to be. And she sees him, and he is like, no, and he leaves. And she's like, oh, he wanted someone to be 16 with him. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't remember anything about this except for that. Also, the fact that in the book, at least in this short story, because there are a whole bunch of them, um, vampires were allergic to paprika instead of garlic, and the garlic thing was a myth. And so that way people couldn't actually know what to attack them with. And so they were like eating that. like Italian food at some point. He just nice. couldn't eat paprika. Um, I recently read a book called Fledgling by Octavia Butler, um, which is also about a vampire. Um, but it's about a girl who is a very young vampire. She's like, I guess she was like born a vampire. No. Maybe. Is it like she was Claudia a la Interview with a yeah, Vampire? Yeah. So she's like eight years old, but she's really like 35 years old. Yeah. Um, and it's a good book, but there's a lot of sex scenes with her adult boyfriend. That's weird. Which is like, they're written in a very sexy way, but then it's like, oh, but she looks like an eight-year-old. I mean, did you ever read Interview with a Vampire? 
No, I've only seen the movie. That was a huge plot point in the in the book because so she was a five year old when she was turned, but her mind grows and she is like forever angry with them because she said like, "Why did you do this to me? Because I'm always going to be stuck in this child's body, but I am not a child anymore." And it was yeah. a really big um, plot point in the book. I think in this one she like eventually will grow up to be an adult person, mm. but like it'll take a really long time. But it's just really weird because there are like several because like. We're going to get back on topic in a minute, I promise. But there's, like, they, like, form these little, like, cliques of, like, humans that are, like, they're, like, you know, thralls or whatever. In their thrall or whatnot. Um, and so she's, like, basically fucking all of them. That's so, so like, these, like, four adult people are just, like, having all of this sex with this child, basically. And they're all, like, really just, like, they're very, like, like, they spend a lot of time describing that she looks like an eight-year-old and then separately describing that, like, she's having a lot of sex. And it just made me so uncomfortable for the whole book that even though the book itself was interesting, I just, like, couldn't get around it. No, it was really weird. We're going to get back to the story now. Um, Maybe don't read Fledgling if you're uncomfortable with weird child sex scenes, which you should should be. be. So, anyway... So from the starting point of I Am Legend, Romero decided that he was going to make a story about a small group of humans holding out against the ghouls that have arisen from the dead. And here's where we get into the difference between zombies and zombies, which <laughs> which surprised a lot of the audiences, because in 1968, a zombie movie was something that you could bring your kids to. Like, zombies were like Frankenstein, you know? They're like just like voodoo people, and like they just like lurch around and look funny and stuff like that. And so all these kids went to go see Night of the Living Dead, and then all of a sudden this four-year-old is eating her father's body, and no one was really prepared for that. So again, these were not, you know, modeled after your traditional zombie. These were modeled after Matheson's vampires. One thing that I thought was interesting that you kind of see in both... Uh, is the idea of losing a loved one and having them return later as a zombie, which we talked about with uh, Johnny. Johnny. He's looking extra fresh now that he's undead. I know. Mm. I, that mm sounded sexual, and I didn't mean it to. It sounded like it was, especially because it's Barbara's brother. <laughs> but, I mean, he did look more attractive as a zombie. He looks kind of cool. Like, that guy's not really dead. That's true. That guy's maybe dead now, but he wasn't dead then. I hope he's not dead now. He would have been pretty young. He's like, maybe in his 30s? He'd be old. It's been 50 years. Yeah. Who knows? It was, make him 80-something, maybe? Yeah, he could still be around. He could still be around. Um, and then, you know, the Cooper's daughter shows back up um, as a ghoul. And this is something that you see back in I Am Legend with Neville's wife is turned into a vampire and he has to kill her. Yep. But it's also something you see in a ton of zombie movies. Like, later on, after, you know, 1968. I mean, even Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Nick yeah. Frost turns into a, a vampire. Uh, <sighs> Nick Frost turns into a zombie. Yes. Not a vampire. <laughs> um, or in uh, Walking Dead, Andrea has to shoot her sister in the head when her sister comes back as a zombie. Um, that does happen a lot. I'm pretty sure yeah. there's something similar in 28 Days Later. Yeah, when the, the dad turns. Yeah. And he has to, like, kill himself or get killed. And his daughter's right there, and he's like, the blood drips in his eye, and he's like, get away, get away, I love you. And then he starts freaking out. God, yeah. that's a sad scene. It is. Oh, that scene. That's a great movie. It is a great movie. Um, so, you know, that's that's definitely something that pulls from, from this. Um, there's also the idea of the thin line between humanity and undead people. Obviously, a human can become a zombie very easily. 
by being bitten by a zombie. I do think that ultimately relates back to having a soul in a way. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's talked about in Buffy a lot. When someone turns into a vampire, they actually lose their soul and then they right. become evil. So that's why Angel is the good one because he was forced to have his soul restored to his body as a curse because they wanted him to feel the pain of everything he'd done. Right. So the question is, do these murderous, like ravenous beings have that soul. Presumably they don't. I think that's why they're considered yeah. not to be human in the same way. Right. And that's the same way like vampires can be staked without Buffy having any bad feelings, but why she would never do that to Angel. Right. Even though he's dangerous yeah. when he is with her to a certain extent because if they have sex they'll become an evil angel again. Sorry, I really like Buffy. I love Buffy. Um so even though he has his dangerous side of he has this dangerous side of him she can't she'd kill him because she destroys his soul. Right. But these other vampires, they don't have that. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that's definitely something that you see with this is, like, Barbara pretty much just goes with her brother when she shows up, or when he shows up, because she's still able to, like, connect that to her brother that she knew. Even yeah. though, like, obviously she knows that this is not the same person, you know? It's not still him, really. Yeah. But she's like, well, that's my bro, so I'm just gonna go with him. Um... Which is something that, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, how do you shoot your sister in the head when you know she's turning? Well, you you know on one hand that she's going to become dangerous and it's not really, you know, your sister anymore. But, you know, could you make that moral choice? I mean, I've always said that if there was a zombie apocalypse, Tim would have to shoot me in the head. And he said the same thing to me, but I don't know if I could actually shoot Tim in the head. I feel like I, I don't know. I don't feel like I would have that big of a problem doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really bad. Maybe I'm thinking a lot more highly of myself than I. I mean, I feel like you would do it in the in the when you have to do it. I when think you have you to do, do it, it, you have to do it. But I think it would fuck you up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you'd be a little fucked up after all this anyway. Um, but another thing that I I liked about this is that um, and this is again something that starts in I Am Legend, um, and really shows up in Night of the Living Dead is like. Are humans really the safe ones? Are human beings really? safer than the zombies like on the one hand they won't kill you right away but like robert neville ends up kind of being the antagonist of night of uh, i am legend and in night of the living dead most of their problems and their inability to keep themselves safe come from the fact that they can't get along that's true like harry starts so much shit that he gets shot yeah like ultimately the reason that, like, most of the people die is because they can't function as a team and they're so self-centered and, you know, they don't care about each other enough to actually bring it together as a team. And then at the end, the, you know, the posse that's coming out to, like, clear out the zombies is so focused on just, like, everybody else is the problem, everybody else is the problem, that they end up shooting someone who is a survivor who's made it all the way through the night. No, it's such an interesting, it's a very interesting perspective to look at it all through. Yeah. And I do feel like it's something that shows up a lot later. Like, I mean, most of the drama on, like, Walking Dead is the people that they meet. It's not really the zombies after a while. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I think that would be more of an interesting conversation if, like, the zombies could have some, like, semblance of a culture. Yeah. Which they aren't conscious, really. Yeah. 
And so because of that lack of consciousness... I mean, obviously, there's still, like, the monsters of the story. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so what I mean is, like, if it wasn't, like, I think it's a really interesting perspective with I Am Legend because of the fact that they do have this new culture right. and this yeah. new society. Well, that's never going to happen with the zombies because they're just dead versions of people. True. That is definitely true. Yeah. Very um, philosophical conversations on today's episode. There was an amazing quote from uh, Better Off Dead. This is uh, written by Deborah Christie, who's one of the editors of the book. In the chilling final scene of Night of the Living Dead, where the bodies of the first zombie we saw on screen and the last human to survive the night in the farmhouse are both shown being tossed into the fire by the sheriff and his men, demonstrates most clearly the flaws of human judgment and its inability to discern its own capacity for inhuman behavior. Which I thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's kind of where zombies come from and where uh, Romero got his inspiration from. But of course, we have to talk about where it went. We gotta talk went. about where it went. And there's so many movies that were inspired by this. I uh, mean, it is not an exaggeration to say that every zombie movie you've ever seen is inspired by Night That's true. Dead yeah. At this point. Unless you're watching a lot of 1940s, <laughs> 1950s uh, zombie movies, in which case, no. No. But. But still, like, this was the defining zombie movie. Absolutely. Um, I think that the biggest thing that contributed was the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Because that's, like, I mean, that's a huge part of even just American culture now is the concept of a zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's talked about all the time. Like, what weapons would we use? Where would you go? I'd go to Costco. I mean, how many hours have we personally spent playing Left 4 Dead 2 because we wanted to kind of live in a weird way that scenario dude i have wanted to play left 4 dead 2 so badly for the past couple of days and i know tim has it somewhere in his steam account i just need to find it i have it in my steam account can we play together does that work not both on my account but we can but can we like yeah like connect and be part of a team yeah dope let's do it yeah um how do you think we used to play together in college i know but i don't know if it still works that it's way. still it's actually one of still one of like the top played games on steam oh dope okay we gotta it's do still it. in like the top 20 or 30 games i'm gonna be ellis as always. <laughs> I was always Ellis, and I used an axe, and I never killed any zombies because I'm very bad at video games. Coach with a, kata- a katana was Heck always my shit. Yeah, katanas were good. Katanas were nice if you can get them, but they're harder to find. They are harder to you find. You get an axe 20 seconds in. Um, I do think also the idea of bites being contagious, and that's how it gets spread, yeah. as well as destroying the brain. I think those yes. are two things that were really like talked about in this movie that defined the genre as well. So those two plus the zombie apocalypse. Kind of make our overall image of the zombie. Yeah, yeah this was the first ever flesh-eating zombie. There weren't flesh-eating zombies before this that's movie. That's so cool. Which is now, I mean, like brains is like a thing. Like, yeah. That's just what we think of when we think of zombies. Um, so in terms of the zombie apocalypse, I mean, uh, again, it's introduced in I Am Legend, but it's really perfected in Night of the Living Dead, and it goes on to be in, I mean, every every single every thing. zombie movie, um, every zombie video game, every even the White Walkers in Game of Thrones are like sort of just a zombie apocalypse on their way to you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but they have their own culture again. Kind of. That's true. They do. They have like a leadership. They're hierarchy. almost more like I Am Legend vampires than they are yeah. zombies. Yeah, that is true. I think it's funny. Let that the White the, Walkers take over. <laughs> Let's all become White Walkers. Nobody's doing good. Nope. Um, in Westeros up to this point, so maybe just let them. Think about all the inhuman things that have happened in Westeros. Everyone's gonna see. It's the same thing. Humanity is not accepting its capacity for inhumanity. Needs to grow and evolve, and by becoming not human, they'll really find the human sides of themselves again. White Walkers, twenty twenty. Uh, um. Uh. Yeah, and one of the things that I really found interesting about this is that, like, 
most of so like most zombie apocalypse movies like by the time you see it like everything's gone to shit yeah it's true this is like the very beginning i mean like romero talked about is the very beginning of it and honestly it seems like it's cleaned up by the end i think there are a lot of these movies it's like this person wakes up in this world after yeah. like being in a coma i'm pretty sure isn't that like how 28 days later starts yeah that's that's how um the walking dead starts yeah. Yeah, that is a really common one. I think it's because then they don't have to show the beginnings and like True. how and how it turned into an apocalypse rather than just being like stopped early on. I do think that it's appropriate that this is the birth of the zombie apocalypse and it shows the beginning of a zombie apocalypse. I agree, which I love. And then kind of I guess the rest of the movies sort of build on it on the presumption that it wasn't fully wiped out and that you know it flourished in other places and these guys yeah, were not get all of them. I realize the most recent sequel to this movie was made in 2010. Yeah, they just keep going. Yeah, I mean, not anymore, really. I mean, I think there is actually one in production. Nice. But not from George Romero, because he passed away in 2017, sadly. R.I.P. Yeah, uh, Russo actually also, when they split ways, um, Romero and Russo both agreed that they could both make additional living dead movies if they wanted to, which I think is fun. Um, And, uh, yeah, so... Um, another thing that we see in this is, like we talked about earlier, the use of the radio and TV to provide exposition about the outbreak, which is something that you wouldn't have otherwise because it's just these people cooped up in their little tiny farmhouse. Yeah. So it's one of the first movies that really gives you that, you know, by the time Shaun of the Dead comes around, it's like a cliche where they're, you know, they're flipping through the channels and that's how he finds out about the, you know... Yeah. Like, all the things cut together come up with, you know... Whenever I think of that trope, I just think of the movie Birdemic. (laughs) We should do an episode on Birdemic. Oh, my God, which is one of the worst movies. Oh, my God. It might be the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. It was harder to watch than The Room. It's, like, it's not bad in a fun-to-watch way. It's just really bad. And boring. Yeah. Like, you have to fast-forward until you get to the bad, like, MS Paint Birds... Yeah. And Miss Paint doesn't even exist anymore. All right. They found a way to find it and use it just to <laughs> well, make no, the I, birds in that movie. They made Birdemic before they got rid of Miss Paint, right? Oh, you're right. Yeah. That was several years ago. Um, so, yeah. So, we, we use the TV and the radio as sort of, you know, for the first time, a way to show the full scope of this, a way to get information about how you kill the zombies, what they are, where they came from. I do love how, like you said earlier, how realistic and, like, it seemed like yeah. actual, like, on-the-street interview kind of. It really did. Even when they're, like, trying to interview, like, the scientists about where all the stuff came from. And they're, like, walking and they're, like, I don't know. And, like, the two get into, like, a fight and they're, like, well, I don't think it's radiation. I don't think it came from space until I see proof. I'm not going to believe that. To be honest, if you had a coworker who was, like, no, no. No, no, the zombies come from the Venus radiation. You'd be like, I don't want to comment on that in public until we like definitely know because that sounds insane. It does sound insane. Um, I also found it compelling as like a use of like a hope spot sort of where you're like, oh, look, like people are out there and they're clearing out the zombies and like they're going to get true. to them and it's going to be fine. And then begins shot in the fucking face. Ugh. Anyway. Um, yeah, so that comes up. The Cannibal Zombies, like we talked about, this is the first ever Cannibal Zombie movie, um, which we see even in movies that don't include zombie apocalypses. So because this movie was slow, so low budget, um, the little girl, when she was eating her dad, apparently was just eating like the crew's lunch covered in either chocolate syrup or red dye, and depending on what effect they were going for in that moment. They should have just given her some ribs and some really good, like, barbecue sauce so i don't think the barbecue sauce would have had quite the right consistency it's kind of chunky and blood is not chunky 
He looked like he could have had some very high cholesterol. (laughs) That's true. Um, But so she's like, yeah, there were some days I was just eating meatballs covered in chocolate sauce. That sounds disgusting. (laughs) It sounds so gross. (laughs) That poor child. Um, Yeah, you know, uh, like you said, the headshots for zombies thing. Yep. First introduced here, which is like always double tap. Destroy the everywhere. And I thought it was really interesting that Ben always double tapped. Like he would like, oh, there's a dead body. Just in case I'm going to drag it out front and set it on fire. Like he did a really good job with that. He did. Ben deserves better. He does. Ben deserved to live through this movie. Ben was lovely. Uh, I've had an interview that mentioned that I only found one interview and I only mentioned this briefly. Apparently George Romero had a head injury when he was a child. Um, which sometimes can turn you into a serial killer and sometimes can make you, like, the ultimate American horror auteur. But how far are those things from each other? Is making movies in which lots of people are murdered just, like, the bougie way of being a serial killer? I think it's the better option. Well, obviously, but not everyone has the money to make movies. That's true. And also some people are um, dealing with other things that prevent them from thinking clearly. I was actually just listening to a podcast episode. I was listening to the last podcast on the left about Richard Chase on the way over here. And uh, he thought that he didn't have enough blood in his body. Oh, shit. So he tried to get other people's by drinking it. I mean, Elizabeth Bathory liked to bathe in people's blood. So. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he didn't go about it in such an organized fashion. Oh, um, dear. Don't, I would say just don't look anything about him up. You know I'm going to as yeah, soon as you leave. Don't do it tonight. Wait till tomorrow morning. <laughs> Wait till tomorrow morning. He was a very frightening man. Good to um, know. Loved him some entrails. So anyway, I'm just saying that, like, I don't think he had it in him to be a Romero. I understand. You know, I think that he was uh, dealing with some other stuff um, that was standing in the way of that. So, Understandable. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, different kinds of zombies. Yeah, so... Like I said earlier, this movie is kind of inconsistent in terms of the ways in which they treat their zombies. Because in the very beginning, um, the zombie that attacks Barbara and her brother, he, like, is running after her. He, keeps he like, keeps up with their car when yeah. he, she's driving it before she crashes it. Like, he's going and going and going and has, like, an unlimited amount of stamina and as actively he's not as fast as like 28 days later zombies but a lot faster than the average zombie you see but then later they say like no they can't move very well they're all dead and all messed up i will say that he didn't look very decomposed yeah he could have been a recent body he looked just like at first i was astonished by the fact that he just looked like a guy who was trying to attack her that's true and um he just had like blood on his teeth and like a little bit on his face yeah that was about it so easily i mean he could have just been buried like that day well, or, no it know. didn't have it was only the unburied dead oh you're right so he was super recent yeah he like walked he away have, from a morgue or something yeah that's probably true so his Most ankles were probably fine yeah all them ligaments were intact yeah he was doing great um but they are more realistic in the sense of like you know they don't they move like dead people you know they move they're dealing with rigor mortis they're dealing with broken bones and stuff that doesn't work right anymore and um and decay and stuff some of them are naked because they're supposed to be cadavers used at like local medical schools and stuff yeah which was such a purposeful choice i thought was very interesting yeah 
that was weird. One of the sources I was looking at earlier said that the once all the neighbors who were near where they were filming found out there was going to be a set with like a naked person, like they all got like lawn chairs out and like watched them film that night. That poor woman. <laughs> God, can you imagine like being like, oh, sure, I'll do a naked scene. And then just like 25 strangers are staring at you. It's fantastic. It's That'd hilarious. And to be fair... You're naked for a movie. That's There's true. Gonna be... see... Yeah, but like they're not looking at you. You know, like people are like, uh, you weren't looking at her in that scene. No. Okay. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Like they're looking at you, but you're not there. That's true. You know, you don't have to see it. You don't have to be like, oh, am I being? But weird? she did like, agree. Probably unknowing, like she didn't know how popular this movie was gonna yeah. get. But millions of people have now seen that woman naked. That's true. She has a nice butt. She does have a nice butt. So it worked out well for her. Yeah. Um, oh, I read a thing where George Romero was talking about the rise of the fast zombies Ooh. in comparison to his zombies. Uh, his theory is that um, he attributes it to the popularity of zombie video games because a shambling zombie in a video game is not scary. That's true. You need a fast zombie to keep up with the like fast-paced action. And so then he feels like then you get your... 28 Days Later sort of zombie where they have to like adjust what it is that makes them a zombie where you get the rage virus thing happening so they're no longer just like dead people who've been brought back to life for whatever reason because then they wouldn't be able to go fast so then they have to have a reason to go fast and George Romero does not like did not like the fast paced zombies he felt like they were messing with tradition didn't he mess with tradition by inventing this zombie um yes (laughs) (laughs) he sounds like a hypocrite In his defense, he didn't mean to make them into zombies. People kept calling them zombies. And so by the second movie, he was like, sure, whatever, they're zombies. Uh, So they were ghouls, I guess. Yeah. Oh, also, do you play Fallout? I have not played Fallout. So in Fallout, you know, it's like post-apocalyptic, like... It's on my list. It's great. You should definitely play it. Um, I have played a lot of Fallout 4, which I really like because it's set in Boston. Um, so you can walk around and you're like, oh, Emerson was there. One of the, like, groups of, like, mutated humans. They're called ghouls, and they're made to look a certain way. They they look like zombies because of the amount of radiation that impacted them. And I personally choose to believe it was inspired that that by is inspired by, yeah. I would believe it, actually, yeah. Especially if they ghouls. Yeah. And... They are created that way because of radiation. Like, they look like it, too. I don't feel like ghoul is a traditional term for those types of people, so I could totally see it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I guess you can kind of get away with it. But it is a little a little bit hypo- hypocritical. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's the returning to life zombie, which is something that has been around forever, but the original versions of zombies were brought back to life intentionally by one person, they don't just automatically pop back up. I feel like we're almost due, I feel like it's going to be another five years or so, for like another really good zombie movie. I hope so. It was overdone for a long time in the 2000s. When everyone was like writing, like I don't mean to talk shit about Max Brooks or anything, but you know, like the the zombie survival guide and the, you know, a thousand different books about how to survive the zombie apocalypse and like zombie runs and zombie TV shows. Yeah, and like everything was zombified. There's the Marvel zombies there's just everything was so zombies all the time for a while and i know i personally got burnt out on it me too i haven't seen a zombie thing for years i don't even watch walking dead anymore i never i I read the up until about the end of the first season within the comics um but never watched the show yeah that's but i read it while the zombie craze was so big yeah and i mean like we said we 
bought into it when we were in oh, college. Oh, we were You're super into it. it. Right. I actually have a bridesmaid dress that I don't know what to do with, so I'm thinking about beca- being a zombie bridesmaid for Halloween uh, because, like, I'm never going to rewear this thing. One of the things that I liked with, that they did with the returning to life thing is that now that you have a situation where people just return from the dead and it doesn't have to be, like, no one has to intentionally bring you back from the dead, the scenes where Karen is in the basement are so tense. That's true. Because... I assume that maybe in 1968 people knew that, like, something would happen with her, but they weren't, like, sure quite what would happen with her. I wasn't sure if she was just going to die. I was really hoping it would be, like, a tiny baby zombie, which is Mm -hmm. what happened. But I wasn't sure if they were going to go there in 1968. They did. I think they knew that she came back as a zombie. I just assumed, I guess. Um, I found it very scary, almost scarier than it might have been otherwise and might have might you know possibly scarier than it would have been to the people watching in 1968 that different people go down to the basement to spend time with Karen to make sure that someone is watching her so for me it was less of like is she going to die or is she going to live and more of like who is going to be there when she turns and i mean she turns and no one's there yeah but then but then her, her dad. dad appears and then her mom gets trialed to death so that was a little bit of a letdown but i was like like there's a scene where like she um the mom switches with Judy, and Judy goes down to was watch Judy, her. You said Judy died really early in the original script. Do you think, think that's so. how she died? I don't know. I feel like they still wanted to leave, just because she turns so late that they don't really... Like, having a zombie in the house could have been a thing if they'd wanted to incorporate that they could have done a lot sooner, and it yeah. would have been, like, another point of tension. I don't know. I also don't know if they necessarily were going to kill her early on or if they were just going to... I don't know. Cool. I don't know exactly what her original intention was, but... But I found that really interesting and kind yeah. of one of those things where it's it's age sometimes completely changes how you look at things. And a lot of times, especially for something that is as iconic as this and something as, you know, genre defining as this, um, a lot of times when you watch something... Uh, Again, it doesn't seem as scary or intimidating or like the Seinfeld effect. I think I've heard it referred to where people watch Seinfeld and they're like, this isn't funny. Like, who cares about this? But it's because it was like the first sitcom to make just like a bunch of bad people doing weird shit. Yeah. Popular. Um, Where like for parts of this movie, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So like that's a zombie trope. That's a zombie trope. That's a zombie trope. It wasn't a trope yet. Exactly. But this was one of the few parts where it was like, I really feel like with age, that feature of it got scarier. And I was really impressed by that because I think that I that's mean, rare. Like I said um, on our last episode, I was so I probably watched this when I was like eight years old, mm-hmm. and it was just the first like twenty minutes and I fell asleep. Yeah, and I woke up and I was so scared that I had to sleep in my mom's bed for a while because oh, no. I was just like terrified by this movie. And it was great because my mom was saying like, "This is a scary movie. Are you sure you want to watch?" And I was like, "I'm not gonna get scared of anything that's in black and white." Surprise! Oh, baby, Maddie, how <laughs> wrong you were. Um, I think that mostly wraps up our thoughts, but I did want to insert that I read that Tom Savini, who we talked about for Friday the 13th, who did all the amazing then, now a little dated special effects. Like the era going through the net. Yeah. Other ones were better than that one. I like that, that one That one was technically lot. impressive. It just has aged not great. It hasn't aged well, but the fact that an arrow, like, poked up through the neck, I mean, was pretty great. Yeah. Also the eye. The yeah. one arrow through the eye. Yeah. He did some good He did good some shit. good shit. Um, they actually really wanted him to do the special effects on this film. Oh. But he couldn't. Interestingly, the reason that he couldn't do this film is because he had to go be a war medic 
in Vietnam. That's how and he his learned time, what blood works like. Yes, looks like. exactly. So I'm not saying that I'm glad Tom Savini was in Vietnam because I know that it fucked people up and it was a very terrible war. But it made him an artist. Exactly. Which is why it's interesting that like they lost out on him for that, but then that is really what made him Tom Savini. That's so cool. I do love that because this was like the black and white movie, they get to like use the chocolate syrup and all yeah. that stuff. I think that was really fun. Old times. Yeah. Yeah, like Psycho. Do they use chocolate syrup in Psycho? Yeah, the, the blood swirling around the drain. I don't feel like chocolate syrup would look that good. Yeah, it looks amazing. That's so cool. Oh my god, we have to do Psycho another time. Yeah. It's so good. I love it so much. But yeah, and... And I wanted to take us out with a quote by George Romero that I found that I think is the greatest thing I've ever read in my entire life. It's so good. Which is, horror films are the anchovies of the cinema. Either you like them or you don't. Which is so true. It doesn't have anything to do with zombies, Luckily, I'm... Okay with anchovies, but I do love my horror movies. I kind of want to eat a pizza with anchovies on. I don't think I've ever had an actual anchovy pizza. I don't like it on pizza, but like in a good Caesar salad, it's nice. Oh yeah, that's true. Like uh, when they like put it in the dressing. Or I've actually had some that have yeah anchovies. Those are good too. I like a fish, you know, even if it's real salty. Mm-hmm. That's good. So horror movies and salty fish. Yeah, that's us. That's our brand. <laughs> Uh, what are we doing next week, Maddie? We're gonna do uh, Drag Me to Hell. Yeah, we're getting a little bit newer. Yeah. Because we threw it back for this one. We're gonna pull it forward on the next one. We just like to hip hop. Pop a lot. We. <laughs> the hopscotch. We love to pop a lot here on Saturday the 14th. Your number one source for hip hop pop a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, I'm really tired. It was finals week. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, I think that, that that's a sign that we need to end this. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening to our zombie extravaganza. Thank you so much. Uh, as always, if you like this, please rate, please review, tell your friends, tell your mom. Don't tell your mom. I don't think she'd like it. My mom liked horror movies. What's wrong? Like- okay. If your mom likes horror, depending tell her. on your mom, yeah, it's really a mom by mom basis. I'm my mom knows about this, but she's never going to listen to it, and that's for the best. Um, but rate us, review us. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at Sat Fourteenth Podcast. Maddie's in charge of saying that because I get it wrong every, every time. single time. You can also find us on Facebook. There's a cat in the microphone right now. Editing. He's an editor. No, buddy, no. That's so much work that I did. Okay, he deleted half. <laughs> okay, it's fine. It's back. Um, <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook at Saturday the 14th. God, what else? Subscribe to us. Email us if you want. Go to SaturdayThe14thPodcast.com. Uh, keep an eye on your cat. Drive safely and have a beautiful night. Love y'all. Mwah. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>